Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as Pete already notified us, we're here to change our usual focus. We've been going through a series, a discipleship series, um, that form us um, into more of who Christ is in us. And one of the things that we need to do is we need to kind of redo the things that we focus upon. Uh, this is a lesson that comes from this uh, third, or, or, I mean, uh, series two, book four. Uh, and it basically talks about the future we will all have. The future we will all have. I'm talking to you today. I'm glad you came. I'm talking to you today. What, this is about your future. Now, those of you who understand what it is to be in Christ know that when it comes judgment day, there's going to be two judgments. The first one, if you're in Christ, you will bypass. That's the judgment of sins. And since all of your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ, all of your sins have been blotted out and washed clean by his blood, you will not go through the judgment of sins. But there's a second judgment every one of us will go through. And that is the judgment of works. And it will determine what our eternal life is like. There are several passages in the Bible about this, but the, the text for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it talks about that judgment. And so let me read these verses to you, starting with verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, I want you to remember that phrase. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. In other words, he had already told them about Christ and now another pastor had come to develop them in Christ. Then it goes on to say, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you don't have that foundation in your life, we'll be, uh, at the end of this service, we'll give you a chance to have that foundation in your life so that you never have a doubt that you have that foundation which is your access to heaven, all right? But we'll come back to that. Now, let's go beyond that. Now, if any man or woman, it says, builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. This is a metaphor, of course. Uh, the, 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 um, um, I think the King James has stubble uh, for straw. I love that. Um, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it. When they, whenever they say the day, they're talking about the judgment day. This is the day of judgment. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, 
so as though through fire. And so, what's this saying? It's saying if you're in Christ, you will be saved. But what about the life you've lived in this, in, while you were on this earth? How much will that count for? How, will you, how glad will you be that you lived it? How much of it will outlast the fire, so to speak, the judgment fire? So we, gotta, we need to switch our focus. Let me, let me uh, do this. I, I heard this uh, years ago from Francis Chin. Francis Chan, he's a pastor, and in keeping with, I've never had an original thought in my life, I steal everything. Uh, I'm going to steal this illustration from him. Um, and, and it was just very, it was very appropriate, I think. First of all, I want you to see this rope, and I want you to imagine this rope goes on for an eternity. There is no end to this rope. And now I want you to imagine that this rope is a timeline of your life. Your life will last for an eternity. There will be no end to your life. Now, I want you to imagine further that this little orange part of the rope represents the years you have in this world. This is the little bitty time that you have in this world, which will profoundly affect this. Now, let me tell you what most of us think like. Most of us have our entire focus on this little bit. And not even just this little bit, but some of us go, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna save, I'm gonna save, I'm gonna save, until I get to this part, I really hope I can enjoy this part right here. I hope I can finally relax and do a little traveling and have a little comfort and everything, you know? And so we spend all of our energy focusing on just a little bit of maybe comfort or enjoyment. What about this? What about this? You see, the Bible says that we have one shot at determining how we're going to spend eternity. And that's not whether or not we're going to spend it with Christ. That is the quality of our eternal life. That's the quality of our eternal life. The Bible does not uh, believe in, in reincarnation. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it says this, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, the judgment we're talking about right now. You got one shot at this. And so therefore, those of us who understand that this is really, we're talking about millions of years here. We're talking about millions upon millions of years. Wanting that to have quality to it, we live our lives in this part differently. Because, see, the going cultural thing is, you know, if you, if you, if you pay attention to this part, I mean, if you give your, your, your all of us are given time, all of us are given talent, and all of us are given money. Time, talent, and treasure. Now, how much of that you're given is totally up to God. There, there are varying amounts for every one of us. But all of us are given that. And so we have a choice as to how we're gonna use that. Now, if you use that all to get a little comfort, you know, to get a little advantage in this life, you know, people in this world will call you wise. Oh, that's so wise. If you use it to invest in this, people are going to call you an idiot. 
Because they're, because they're going to say, look, you're giving all your money to the church. You're giving all your money to the kingdom. You're giving all your money to the Lord or your time or your talent. And you spend all this attention. You know, you're, you're having to sacrifice here because you're doing this. You're an idiot. And, and of course, the, the, the liturgy goes, no, you're an idiot. Because, of course, we wouldn't say that. But, but because this isn't going to count for much in the long run. This isn't, you can't take this with you, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you have, you can take what you're doing with you. You can take how you've loved with you. I'm going to get to that just in a second. But the, but the point is that, that the message of this to the world seems like, why would you, why would you give a whole bunch of what you are and what you have to this? That's just dumb. It says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness. What's the message of the cross? What was the cross? Somebody who sacrificed for the sake of others without gain in themselves. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. You know why? Because that's what makes all the difference with our forever. That's what makes all the difference for our forever. So let me sum up here. Fact number one, each of us has been given a certain amount of time, a certain amount of talent, and a certain amount of treasure. Fact number two, you will spend that time, that talent, and that treasure on something. You will. Some of you will spend it on investments for later in this life, but you will spend it. Now, here's the question. What if, and this isn't even a hypothetical question. This is a real question because it's really going to happen. What if you got to the next life and you discovered that whatever you did in this life didn't count for anything. You had nothing when you got there. You were saved, but you had nothing. You had wasted your life in eternal matter. See, we're not the first people to think about the afterlife. I was a history major, and you go back into the history of cultures, and there are all kinds of cultures who tried to store up for the afterlife. Some of us just got back from Egypt a few weeks ago. And, and, and you know what the pyramids were, right? The pyramids were storage houses for the afterlife. I mean, you go into the, Cairo, the, the, the museum in Cairo, which is one of the most magnificent museums in the world. They're building a new one. It's going to cost a billion dollars. And it's, it's just mind-boggling. But you go in there and you see King Tut's, um, uh, uh, the artifacts that came out of the, out of the uh, pyramid. And the other kings, the Valley of the Kings, and so on and so forth. You see what they stored away. And it was all for the afterlife. They stored away jewelry because they wanted to look good. They stored away clothes because they wanted to look good. They stored away cosmetics because you need your makeup in the afterlife. They stored away furniture. You can still to this day see the golden throne. Of King, the King Tut was going to sit on, and 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 you and they stored away tables and chairs and 
cooking utensils and eating utensils. And they stored away food, grain, meat, all of this, all of this stuff. And you see all of these supplies that they would need to live in the afterlife. And then you go into the next room, which is an air-conditioned room, and you see the bodies of the people who stored it. There's all these physical artifacts over here, and you see the mummies. Ramses II doesn't even have a wrapping on. You can see the hair, the teeth, everything. There he is. Well, that, that system's not a good system, apparently, because here you are, and you don't need this. Let me ask you, what have you got stored up? Does it transfer? Does it transfer? You see, what we will take with us is not what we have. You can't take one thing you have with you. You can't. But what you can take with you is what you did and how you loved. That's what you can take with you. Everything you have will be transferred to somebody else and eventually destroyed. It'll come to nothing. That's the fire. You, you wait long enough, it all burns up. All of it. But the Bible has cautioned us to not store up treasures on earth where rust and disease, deterioration and thieves can break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven that can't be stolen, can't be taken away. Now I realize, I, I, I'm not so heavenly minded, I'm an earthly idiot. I realize we all have needs. God knows we all have needs. We just prayed, give us this day our daily bread. God's all about that. All about taking care of you and what, what, he'll give you what you need down here. You don't need to worry about it. Jesus said, as a matter of fact, he said um, um, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Verses 31 through 33. He said, don't worry. Do not worry. Saying, what will we eat? What will we eat? What will we drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles. Let me stop right here. The Gentiles were symbolic of people who did not know God or did not trust God. Many of us are believers, but we're functioning Gentiles. We believe in God, but we don't really trust God. And that's how we live our lives. And that's why we worry about these things. And Jesus said, stop it. He said, the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And then he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That which will never perish. And all these things, the things that you need every day, will be added to you. He'll take care of you. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul writes this, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in, Christ Jesus, or riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry about this. Stop worrying about this. And start thinking about that. Start thinking about not Am I at ease here? Am I satisfied here? Will I be satisfied there? Will I be satisfied for an eternity? 
Will I be glad I lived the life I lived, gave what I did, loved how I did for an eternity? And part of the great joy we have is entering into someone else's joy. You know, it's not just about being happy. You know what's better than being happy? It's knowing that somebody else is happy because of you. It, 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 it's, it's entering into their joy because you've, their life is better because of you. That's a greater happiness, a deeper happiness, a longer lasting happiness. And do you remember what God says about the judgment? How he puts it? He says in, in Matthew 25, uh, uh, 21, this is about the judgment day. And he says, and the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. These are the folks who passed through the fire and they still got their works with them. They still got what they did. He said, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Enter into the joy of your master. We need to think, reorient. God, am I making you happy? This is not about me being happy. Am I making you happy? My first church out of, out of seminary, I've told some of you about this. It was Princeton, Indiana, and, and uh, it was a Methodist church, and we had this kind of pitiful choir. Just, it was just kind of pitiful. Um, and, and, but great, I mean, great hearts in the choir, but we had two guys in the choir. One guy was tone deaf. And, and, and seriously, if you're tone deaf, you don't know it. That's what it means to be tone deaf. And you think you're not tone deaf, so you really sing loud because you realize there's only two of you there. And so he's, you know, Alvo was his name. He's just, he just had the best heart, but had no idea he was off, off key. And then there were women, you know, bless their hearts. They just tried as hard as they could. You know, it, you know, warblers, just, it was a good choir. But we had one guy, and I think I've told many of you about this, Frank Dixon. I'll never forget him as long as I live. He had the richest baritone voice. It was gorgeous. It was so good that when he was a youth, he was offered a full ride scholarship to the Chicago Conservatory of Music. But he didn't go. Do you know why? Because he was a black youth. And he had just gotten, this still kills me. He had just gotten a job in a gas station. And back then for a black youth to have a job in the gas station was such an honor, such a big deal that he turned down the development of the gift that God had given to work in a gas station. But the poverty of the concert halls around the country was the wealth of Faith United Methodist Church Choir. And so everybody would just sit there and try to hear Frank. And I remember him doing a solo on one of those great old hymns and the hymn went like this the chorus went like this I am satisfied I am satisfied I'm satisfied with Jesus but the question comes to me 
as I think on Calvary. Is my master satisfied with me? That's the real question. Who are we living our lives for? And how long do we want the results to benefit? So, how do you do it? How do you store up treasures in heaven? Because let me tell you something about God. He's given every one of you not just enough for you, but for what he wants you to give others. He's given every one of us, because that's his plan, that we would benefit others. That's why he made us. That's why we're still here, that we would benefit others. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse, uh, verses 9 through 11. It says this, as it is written, he scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, you know who he is, that'd be God. You know who the sower is, that'd be you, that'd be me. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he will always give us enough to keep up the energy we need to give. And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and the increase of the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, for all generosity, which through us is producing, and the, and the word here is a ongoing, continual, forever, thanksgiving to God. So how do you store up treasures in heaven? Let me give you just three simple ways really quickly. Number one, you live like Jesus and you, and you sacrifice like Jesus. The word of the cross, that's foolishness to the world, to the perishing. You love, watch this, in ways you can never be paid back. You remember the opening lines of our text. According to the grace of God, which was given to me. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It's receiving something that you have not earned, that you could never earn, and that you could never reciprocate. That's what grace is. Well, if God made us in his image, guess what he wants us to do? Guess how he wants us to love? Like that. Jesus said, it's no credit to you if you love people who can love you back. I mean, all of us do that, and we enjoy that. Gentiles do that. That's not love, that's business. But what about loving people who can't love you back? Who can never pay you back? I love it that the Pope decided not to have lunch with the muckety-mucks of Congress, but decided to have lunch with the homeless instead. I love it that when he goes down a street, when he goes down the street, he looks for people who are disabled because he knows that's the most marginalized people in the world. And he'll stop his car and go over and love them 
this population that is largely invisible to the world, that's inconsequential to the world, is most important to him. It ought to be the most important to us because they can't pay you back. Some of you have people in your lives that aren't loved by anybody else. Guess why they were put in your life? These are irritating people. There are a reason why they're not loved by anybody else. Extra grace required people. That's who these people are. And it will exhaust you to be around them. Love them anyhow. Because that's how God loved us. These people who are going down to the Amazon, to Brazil, and, and go up the river and minister to people who will probably never see them again. They can't be paid back. That's storing up heavenly treasures. Everybody who has contributed to them is storing up heavenly treasures. Because one day they might get to heaven and somebody will come and speak to them in Portuguese, which they'll be able to understand. And say, I'm here because your team helped me know the love of Jesus Christ. That's treasures in heaven. The second thing is this. I keep telling you how important it is to be close to God, and it is. But could I just say this to you? Proximity of God doesn't really do you as, as, as much good if you don't have your eyes fixed on God, a focus on God. Proximity without focus is almost useless. And so therefore, you store up treasures in heaven when you get yourself in positions where you can see God. And it doesn't matter how close or far you are. If you're looking at God, if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, boom, you're in the right place. This week, some of you know, Becky and I were invited to the White House to help, help welcome the Pope uh, to the U.S. And, and uh, we had some killer seats, got to tell you. Um, it was the, the podium, those of you who were watching on TV, they, the TV always focuses on famous people, so you can't get a really good idea who how the seating is, but the, but the podium was um, um, just about, I don't know, 15, 20 yards from us. And the first row was, was uh, kind of name, name Catholics, Biden and Ethel Kennedy, and, and, um, and then there were mixed in cardinals and bishops, you know, and the processional was very impressive, Profe processional, so those are the first couple of rows, and then, and then you had cabinet, the, you know, the, the folks in the president's cabinet, and then right behind them were the Kennedys, all the Kennedys, um, and because and, that was our first Catholic president. Um, and the Pope made it very evident that he was here to encourage the church, and so all, all the Kennedy, and then right behind the Kennedys were Becky and I, and uh, there was a little uh, evangelical enclave, it was Becky and I, and sitting beside uh, Becky was uh, Pastor Rick Warren, and then there's Bishop T.D. Jakes and Sarita, and, and, so, and so we just kind of had the amen section right there. And, 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 so, and so you think, well, those are killers, those are great seats. Well, they were until the president comes out to greet the, the Pope getting out in his little fiat. And everybody stood up and the Kennedys immediately put their grandchildren on their shoulders. <laughs> now, I, 
I, I have nothing against this. If my grandchild can't see, I'm going to put him on my shoulders. Won't do him a whole lot of good. You know, but you want your grandchildren to see. So I got nothing, I got no problem with what they did. The problem was, I couldn't see. I was so close. I couldn't see. I'd been so much better off if I'd been 200 yards off and could actually see the president and the Pope. You understand, proximity does you no good without the ability to focus. You understand? So it really doesn't matter how close you are to God or how close God is to you. He's closer than your very breath. The important thing is, are you focused on God? Because that's how you'll store up treasures in heaven. That's how you'll be responding to God every minute. And then one more thing. This is super important. I've told you and I'll continue to tell you that each one of you have been made for a special purpose in the plan of God. It says that in scripture, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together in your mother's womb. You are not made by mistake. You are made by intention. And God had a plan for your life. The Bible says your days were ordained when there was not yet one of them. God had you in mind before anybody else had you in mind. The Bible says that we are made, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's the deal. You are wired like you are by the purposes of God. You have a mission in this life that cannot be replaced by any other person. You still have a function to perform or you wouldn't be here right now. Because after your mission is done, he takes you out. So if you're still here, you still have a mission. Now, here's the question. Do you know what it is? See, most people don't. So here's the next question. How are you going to find out? And he's given us a way. We need to be around people that show us where we fit into the plan of God. That's called the church, by the way. It's a personal church. You know, before we went to D.C., we were in Shelby, and I was at my 50th, my 50th high school reunion is next year, but this was the, the, the 50th anniversary of our undefeated football team um, 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 season. And so we have stuck, this team has stuck together for 50 years. There is, I've told you before, there's no reason why we would have been undefeated. We weren't big. I played the line. We were tiny. We were like helmets with shoes coming out of them. We were tiny. We weren't fast. We were slow. We weren't mean. We were very polite kids. We were nice. Nice hit. You know? We were so nice. We should have... We should never have gone undefeated. Why did we go undefeated? Because we all worked as a team. 
We all knew where we belonged. We knew what we were supposed to do, and we knew what we weren't supposed to do. We were responsible for our part of it, and we were very clear what our role was. We were very clear what our action was. We were very clear what our strength was, and we were very clear what we were not supposed to do. Because what we're not supposed, what we're, what we're supposed to do, the rest of what we're supposed to do is depend on everybody else for what they're supposed to do. And when you do that, you're absolutely unconquerable. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that just applies to football teams? 50 years ago, so that old guys can get together and remember. No, it applies to your spiritual identity, your spiritual clarity as to why you were made, what your remaining mission is. And so this is what I want to tell you. We're about to break into a new season at Northland. This is a watershed moment at Northland. And we're going to call you to a deeper engagement than you've ever had with God. And we're going to call you to a closer walk with each other and a more pointed goal, spiritual goal together that will have a forever effect. Now this will come incrementally. It may come slowly to dawn on you, but it will come. And if you stick with us and if you're involved, you will know why you were made and what you have yet to do. But before we get there, I want to just do a couple of things. First of all, this isn't a man-made thing. This is a God thing. All of this will be developed spiritually. And so I want, to, I, want to, I want to do two things that are very important in order to proceed from this moment. First of all, I mentioned at the beginning of this about no one can have any other foundation except the foundation that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so if you don't have that foundation, you really don't have access to heaven. And you don't have the assurance of why you're here, and you'll never know why you're here. And so I want to make sure everyone has the confidence that they have that foundation. I realize how some of you were brought up. This question was never posed to you personally. That you would make sure personally that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior. But it's pretty important when you are proceeding on a mission to know you've got the right foundation in your life. And so I want to give you this opportunity, both you and anyone online. If you've never personally said the prayer of salvation so that you know that Christ is your, is your um, um, foundation, then I want to do that with you right now. It's very simple. I want you to have that confidence and that assurance going into the future. So let me do, ask you to do something very brave. Those of you who have not done that yet, I want you just to stand where you are in the sanctuary. Stand wherever you are online. And I just want to say this prayer with you. And then you'll be sure. Anybody brave enough to do that? Good for you. Good for you. Who will join them? Good for you. Good for you. I want you to have this confidence. Good for you. God bless you. That's awesome. Good for you, good for you. Wonderful, wonderful. Good for you. Anybody in, the, anybody in the mezzanine? I know there's a whole bunch. Good for you, good for you. Come on, I know there's unsaved people up there. I know. <laughs> good for you, I see you there. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
This is the most important decision you will ever make. Forever. Not just in this life, forever. And this is the most important confidence that you will ever have. Good for you. So, good for you. I see you back there. Good. So I'm going to say a prayer. And, and, and I just want you to repeat this prayer after me and make it your own. It's going to be a very personal prayer. Those of you who want to re-up, you know, your salvation doesn't, isn't, it doesn't expire. But if you want to re-up, it never hurts. You can pray this prayer with us too. Um, those of you whose legs wouldn't work, you know, God knows your heart. So you can say it along with us too. But I want, I want you to have confidence. So just bow your heads and say this prayer out loud with me. Say this, dear God, I know I have sinned and fallen short of what you want for my life. I know my problem is sin. But I also know when Jesus cried, died on the cross, he took away both the penalty and power of sin for my life. And he offers me a brand new life. Right now, I want that life. Lord Jesus, would you come and live in my heart? And make of my life whatever you want. And I will follow you into eternity. Amen. Happy birthday. You just got born again. God bless you. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Now, if you did that, I want you to help us know you did it. Notify us. And, and we'll make sure that you grow from here. Um, and, and if you just give us a word or you can put it in any of the offering boxes, just write it out. You've got, you've got a little identification thing in your bulletin. Just say, hey, I said the prayer today. We'll follow up with you. Here's the second thing. In order to focus fully on eternity, we've got to intentionally refocus what our lives are counting for. And so, starting today, I'm going to intentionally say, every day, Lord, I'm going to be thinking about what is a spiritual treasure, what pleases you, how I can love like Jesus, what I can do that will last forever. If you will join me in that commitment, I want you to stand, and I'm going to pray for us. Will you join me in that commitment? Just say, I'm going to focus on eternity. I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to think, I'm going to live my life according to what the rest of the rope uh, it, it says is good and not just the, what the world says is good in the time I'm given on this earth. Let me pray for us. Lord, we keep getting sucked back into every day's emergencies. And we do need to pay attention to the things that are around us. But we don't need to be consumed by them nor do we want to be consumed by them. We want to have eternity in our hearts and in our minds. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to come to us and begin us investing in eternal things? Help us to love like Jesus loved in ways we can't be paid back. Help us to keep focusing on Jesus
Help us to be around people who will bring out of us what delights you. Help us, Lord, to give our lives to you every day we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with us all as we go today. Go love people like Jesus. Watch what happens. I'll see you next week.